We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey guys, what is up? Welcome into the Guilty as Charged podcast presented by the Blue Wire Podcast Network. My name is Steven. I'm your host. We are coming to you uh, Monday morning, the week of training camp. Super excited to get football back. The offseason is so close to being done with. Uh, so very excited about that. Very excited about today's show as always. And joining me today are the Devontae Adams fan, a.k.a. Alex, and are we there yet, a.k.a. Tyler. So Tyler, how are you doing today, man? You know, I would answer that question, but I believe that's a HIPAA violation. So uh, how are you, Stephen? <laughs> well done, sir. Well done. Uh, I'm doing well and uh, happy to be back home. Have to be happy to be back in front of a mic and, and good Wi-Fi connection. So I uh, had a great vacation, but, you know, ready to be back to normal. So, yeah. uh, Alex, how are you doing today, man? Um, doing pretty good. Uh, excited to be on the pod today. Yeah, we got a fun discussion. As you can see by Alex's username, we are going to talk about the Devontae Adams situation. Uh, and we're also going to talk about Josh Palmer and Rashawn Slater and kind of where they are uh, standing with their current contracts. And then we'll, you know, unfortunately talk about uh, some of the COVID situation, which has been going on. We also have an interview with Chargers tight end Steven Anderson, uh, which we will get to right now. The audio version will happen right now, and then the video version will be in a separate video. So check that out on YouTube, and here is Steven Anderson. Hey, guys, welcome back to the Guilty as Charged podcast. Alex and I are very happy now to be joined by a very special guest, Chargers tight end Steven Anderson. Steven, thanks for taking the time to join us. How are you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I'm doing awesome. Uh, camp starts on Tuesday, so I'm excited to get my rest. Uh, just chilling here, watching the Olympics, so really good. Are you uh, are you back in L.A. or are you still back home? Yeah, I'm back in L.A. I've been uh, in L.A. for really majority of the whole offseason. So. Very cool, man. We're, we're all very excited that training camp is starting back up, too. Uh, the offseason is always a long one, but, you know, obviously really happy that football is back. So, um you know, you're, I think you're a very interesting player for the Chargers this year, in, in particular because of the way that you ended the season. Obviously, Hunter Henry is gone as well. Um, you know, with the way that you ended this season, what would you say kind of clicked for you because you had some great games down the stretch? Was there a particular thing that really kind of just came together for you? Or what would you attribute your success to close the season to? Um, one thing that's been big for me with this um just throughout my whole career going back to college is um, opportunity. Um, I think that just with Hunter being out uh, with the amount of snaps that he was taking per game versus me and DP and Bird, well, Bird was hurt, but it's, it's all about opportunity. And um, before then I was not really on the field like that. Um, Wasn't, you know, getting the ball, um, but you know, it's all about, you know, just kind of taking advantage of opportunities. So I, I wouldn't say anything in particular clicked. I prepared for that game just as I did any other game. It was just I got the opportunity to to make plays. So, you know, going into next season, how do you sort of build off of those last two games uh, of the regular season last year? Just kind of continue, continue to prepare how it was, um, you know, just going over the script, making sure that, 
any kind of situation scenario I'll be in, I at least go through it mentally um, and getting ready. So just again, just kind of capitalizing on the opportunities that come my way. Um, hopefully there will be more this upcoming season um, now that um, it's known that, you know, I can make plays when I uh, get the ball and, and things like that. So just just really capitalizing on opportunities. Yeah, I'm glad that you mentioned, you know, the mental preparation standpoint, because that's that's obviously has been, you know, a, a big emphasis from Brandon Staley and, and the new coaching staff and, and, you know, really kind of focusing in on that in the OTAs. Um, what has your experience been like so far with the new coaching staff? Obviously, you've got a new position coach, mm -hmm. uh, lots of turnover with the coaching staff. So what, what's been that? What has that experience been like for you so far? I would say it's um one thing that you really see is, is the energy. The energy is just different. Everybody's excited. Um, everybody's ready to play. Everybody's, um, I would say like, I've been working out at the facility and this has been the most people I've seen at the, at the facility in any off season, any team I've been Wow. Um, so it's, it's really exciting when you have a coaching staff come in and you know, just kind of, they're, they're upfront with their expectations or upfront with, with how we're going to go about things. And it's just excitement is like the word that kind of jumps out because, you know, offense, defense, special teams, there's, there's, you know, just new opportunity for everybody. And um, it's, it's really exciting. Yeah. I mean, obviously, you know, coach Lynn was kind of a big part of the last four years of the chargers. Uh, I think you've probably gotten the chance to speak with Brandon Staley at this point and all the new coaches, you know, so far to this point, how would you kind of contrast their, you know, leadership styles and, and what has kind of the, you know, you talk about the energy Brandon Staley has brought there, but has there been anything uh, specific that you think that he's really brought to the table? Um, I think it's, it's a different situation because when I came in, uh, Anthony Lynn was there, he was already established. Um, it's going to be a different situation anytime you have a new coaching staff, because it's kind of like a overhaul of, of everything you know you're you're when you're a new coaching staff you come in you have to reevaluate what you're doing in the weight room on the field what you eat like you have to reevaluate everything so it's it's kind of hard to compare um in that sense because they're at two different points um, right, right. with where they're at so but just again um what he did what coach Staley has done is really get us excited again um you know it was tough especially with those losses that we took those games that we should have won last year um but it almost feels like that is kind of white white clean um and that word that's not in our that's not us anymore um we're a new team we're that's it's a new situation we have new people so we're just kind of looking towards the future and, and seeing what we can do to be the best team possible I love that, man. And I love, you know, everybody needs a clean slate, fresh start every once in a while. And I think, you know, you guys have been able to go through that. Um, you mentioned opportunity and you mentioned your, your skill set. Um, one thing that was, that was fun for us when we were looking up and, and preparing for this interview is that you were actually the number one tight end in yards after the catch per reception. Um, obviously, you know, you mentioned, you know, the limited opportunities, but that's, that's a significant stat. That's a significant cap in your feather. In my opinion, how, how do you think that, ability you know expresses itself on the field and how do you think that can allow you to kind of separate yourself from you know the rest of the the rest of the pack or the rest of your uh, tight end room um I think that it's the the yards after catch um in the two years when I was playing in Houston I did have some of that I did flash some of that but again I think overall I think that I am kind of like a tight end that is good at multiple things. Um, I think okay. that, well, this this past year, uh, for example, the the plays where I was in, um, I was blocking a lot. I was blocking backside, uh, pass block. And when I was playing with Houston, that wasn't the case at all. That was actually a blemish in, um, you know, my skill set. So I was actually honored that I was able to add that to what I have. And I think overall, just to be able to show what I can do and, and like the multiple things that I can do. Now now we know yards after catch is one of them. Now we know pass blocking because there's a lot of tape is one of them. You know, run blocking, 
definitely need to um, do better and execute better on special teams. But just kind of, I think my skill set is a little bit of everything. It's nothing in particular that is, I would say, well, my coach in college, um, he, he described me as phenomenal and nothing but good at everything. So um, at first I was offended by it, but like, (laughs) but, you know, just in this game, like you, there's a player who can do multiple things is, is a good thing. Um, So, you know, definitely want to show not only the yards after catch, but, you know, just show all of those things I just mentioned all together and um, be able to do that on a week to week basis. So I wanted to ask your thoughts on this. Uh, Joe Brady, who's the Panthers offensive coordinator, he actually said that tight end uh, is the most important skill position on the offense. So how how do you feel about that? I'm going to give you a a chance to spread some tight end propaganda, if you will, (laughs) uh, because you guys, you know, deserve a little bit more love. But how do you feel about that? Well, the um, tight end is the second smartest football position on the football field. And what I mean by that is behind the quarterback, a tight end has to know pretty much everything of the yard. Yeah. Um, you have to know the inline. You have to know line up in slot. You have to know line up out wide in terms of um, formations. You have to be able to communicate with the offensive linemen. You have to be able to communicate with the receivers. You have to be able to communicate with the running backs. And throughout the positions, there's not really – anybody else that has to do all of that. Um, so, you know, tight ends is, is super important. Um, we're the only position that can cross over. We can be a, we can be considered a blocking tight end and the receiving tight end. So it's, it's that kind of versatility and knowledge of the whole playbook that kind of gels everything together in the offense. Yeah, that, that's a great point. And, you know, you guys have you, you have more responsibility than, than a lot of other players on the field. So I think that that is unique as well. Obviously, you know, Joe Brady, you know, worked with Joe Lombardi, uh, who is the new offensive coordinator. Um, what's been your experience working with him so far? And how do you think this new offense will, you know, allow a person like you to, you know, play to their strengths more so than perhaps the previous regime? Um, I think that they're going to, because this coaching staff is new, they have to come in the camp and really evaluate to see what they have. Um, and I think that'll be important because they're saying they're, instead of saying, Hey, we're going to continue with what we had going years previous. These coaches are from all over. These coaches are from <clears throat> New Orleans. My tight ends coach from Green Bay, coach Staley's yeah. Rams, like our, um, um, O-line coaches from the Raiders, I believe. And so it's it's all over different coaching trees. So they really have to just plainly evaluate us. And um, I think that when you do that, you'll be able to find out some things that um, other coaching staffs may have not have discovered. And I think everybody's going to get a fair shot, a fair opportunity to show what we have. And there's going to be a lot of wrinkles on top of that because we're kind of in this discovery mode of what the roster is. Yeah, I mean, so uh, we had Jeff Duncan on and he sort of said that what the Saints like to do, you know, when they have Lombardi there is like they like to, you know, execute mismatches and really play to their strengths, right? In terms of, you know, we're not going to make, for example, a wide receiver run every route. We're going to make him run, you know, the routes that he's comfortable with. So with that in mind, is there a particular route or concept that you feel like you are really comfortable running or, you know, some stuff that you want a chance to do? in this new offense? Um, there's, it, it's kind of funny because I don't, there's not really one route that I'm saying like, ooh, like this is this is great. I, I feel good with majority of the short to intermediate routes. Um, you know, I don't think they're gonna have me running on too many go balls at all. I think, <laughs> uh, T. Missed opportunities, man. Missed ah, opportunities. you know, you know, <laughs> it, it might happen because Herb, uh, he'll, he'll throw anything, and he has the arm to get it there. So, um, absolutely, I think that he will have. They will initially have um, T. Billy and uh, Jalen Guyton on those go go balls, but I will uh, do my best to master the short to intermediate, but. Yeah, it's um nothing in particular, but again, you know, I with 
the versatility of the Saints offense and what they were doing with all the formations and stuff like that, I think anything is possible because I think we have a lot of versatility amongst running backs, tight ends, and receivers. So we can do pretty much anything we want to. Yeah, that that the versatility of the playbook, man. Like I remember – so I read Jeff Duncan's book about, you know, the Saints offense, and one of the things that he mentioned was – you know, just how many personnel packages that they use on a week-to-week basis. Has it been a little overwhelming kind of learning all of that and, and, you know, the, you know, extensiveness of the playbook? What has that experience been like for you? Um, I think that just to not shock our whole systems, I think they, they've they been taking this slow. They've been taking okay. this slow. Our, um, our OTAs were mainly walkthroughs. Um, so they've been taking this slow. I think it's going to ramp up a lot in training camp. But they've been doing a good job of introducing these concepts on the day-to-day. Um, you know, we all, if we have questions, they, they encourage us to, like, stop and talk about it just so we can all get it, so we can all understand it. Because at the end of the day, we're the ones who's on the field and we need to understand this. So um, I think that we are building up. I can see where it can go. But, you know, right now we're taking it day by day so we can master the basic concepts. Yeah, I think that's super important. I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about, uh, obviously, last training camp, you were, you know, working with the backups, and so was Justin Herbert. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you guys figure out that this guy is special? Like, he's going to be a legitimate quarterback in this league? Um, <laughs> About halfway through the first quarter of the Kansas City game, <laughs> really. Okay. <laughs> um, it's... It's crazy because I, I was able to um, be there in Houston when uh, Deshaun Watson had his rookie year. And, um, you know, we did have preseason games then, and it was kind of hard. That's why I shocked everybody because there were no preseason games last year. Yeah. It's it's tough to really evaluate somebody without some, some kind of live bullets flying because, you know, you could look good in practice or you can look good in certain drills, but, you know, when – a 290-pound DN is running at you, then it's it's a little different. You know, yeah. the time moves differently. Um, but, you know, Herb has it all. He, he has the accuracy. He has the throw power, obviously. Um, he has the poise, which is really the, the biggest surprise of me to go in against the, at the time, defending champs, um, first home game, all that stuff. So, you know, the – he, he, he's a top quarterback in this league, and I think he's going to be there for a long time. Yeah, I mean, going, going into Watson and Herbert, I'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite. <laughs> I don't want to take any risks there. Um, but what would you say is kind of the best thing uh, each of them does individually? Um, I think that Herbert, like he – his – the zip that he has on the ball, like it, it, he's going to get it there wherever it needs to be. He's going to get it there. Um, that's like the first thing you notice. It's just like, okay, like, you know, Herb's throwing the ball, so I got I to gotta be ready for this one because each quarterback goes differently. Um, and Deshaun, he he has the – the play is never over with him. <laughs> As yeah. you guys seen, the play is never over. He's going to try to make that play. He's going to try to do whatever he can to, to score, get that first down. Uh, uh, prevent that sack. So I think those are like the the big qualities that you notice between those two. Awesome. I, I love that. I'm always interested, you know, in, in hearing players' experiences with with the different elite guys. So so that was really cool to hear. Um, last question here. This has been great, Stephen. What is uh, your mindset heading into training camp, uh, which, like you said, is, is coming up in a couple of days? You know, it's um just kind of really. One, I want to be a leader out there. I think I'm to the point I have a lot of experience um, being on different teams. Uh, there's a lot of young guys. Definitely want to be a leader, one. Um, and just like I was speaking earlier, just be able to show all that I have as a player. Um, you know, I played my first two years and was on practice squad, so there's not too too much game tape. <clears throat> um so I just want to be able to show all I have because I feel like I have a lot to offer as a football player. Um, and really, I think 
the whole team's goal is to be healthy and, and go into the season healthy. So those are like the main three things. And, you know, I'm really, really excited about this opportunity. Yeah, uh, you know, thanks for coming on the show, Stephen. Uh, and I want to just point out something to you. I'm just happy that you spell the name correctly when it comes to Stephen, because uh, he spells it with a V, and, and my, my dad spelled it with a PH, so I just assume mm -hmm. that's the right way to spell it, so congrats to you on that. You know, I appreciate that. It was, people were calling me Stephen for like the longest time, and then Steph Curry came to the Bay Area where I'm from, and then it's like, Stephen, Stephen, oh, Stephen, Stephen. <laughs> Hey, hey, man, like phonetically, like PH makes a f sound, not a v sound. So, you know. yeah, <laughs> it is what it is. Uh, Steven, thank you so much, man. We wish you nothing but the best this uh, in the next month or so. Like you said, we hope you were able to stay healthy. Hope the whole team is able to stay healthy. And I uh, can't thank you enough for taking the time to join us, man. Awesome. Thank you very much. All right, so let's talk about these Chargers rookies. Again, thanks so much to Steven Anderson for joining us. Um, Josh Palmer has officially signed his contract, which means only Trey McKitty and Rashawn Slater uh, are left for the Chargers rookie class to be finished. Um, we, we kind of all share the same viewpoints here. So, Alex, I'll let you start off. Uh, you know, What's your first takeaway from Josh Palmer signing and Rashawn Slater not signing just yet? Uh, I mean, I think the Josh Palmer thing is good. Obviously, you know, I, I think they have two left now in Trey McKitty mm -hmm. and Rayshon Slater to lock down. Um, you know, I know there was a lot of concern about the Rayshon Slater thing and that he's one of the last three rookies to be unsigned along with Trey Lance and Zach Wilson. Um, personally, I'm not very concerned yet. I think it becomes an issue when it's an issue, right? You know, two weeks from now, Adam Schefter, Ian Rappaport comes out and says, hey, he's considering a holdout. Then, you know, we're in a whole new ball game there and different territory but it seems like daniel popper believes he's going to be at training camp um so therefore i don't think this is an issue and i think it's actually pretty likely that within the next week he he signs much like justin herbert did right before um training camp last year so uh, i know there's a lot of concern but to me you know this says less about the chargers history um you know with bosa and lt and rivers back in the day uh, and their rookie contracts, but I think this is a lot more about the league and the state of the league coming out of the pandemic, um, just because mm -hmm. the Chargers uh, last year, you know, they were late, but there were like four or five other teams that also signed their rookies late, in addition to, I believe it was Andrew Thomas and Cesar Ruiz were a couple of them, yeah. so to me, um, not an issue yet, has the potential to become one, much like uh, Tyler said last time, but uh, I don't think it's a big deal. Yeah, it's not a big deal just yet. Looking at guys that were signed last season, I mean, obviously, when you're listening to this, it's July 26th. Well, hopefully, it's July 26th when you're listening to it. That's when Herbert was signed. Uh, Andrew Thomas wasn't signed until July 27th. Tristan Wirth, July 22nd. So a lot of these guys are in that kind of July 20s range. Now, of course, you know, it can be concerning in the future if it keeps going. But, you know, I get that there was an issue with Joey Bosa in his rookie season, but Telesco has very much so corrected that mistake, making one of the highest played defensive players in the league. And so you know, it's not going to be an issue. I don't, I don't know why it hasn't been taken care of yet, but I don't think it's an issue yet. Yeah. Uh, first of all, first of all, Josh Palmer, you know, signing you know, is great for him. You know, him coming from Canada and having the kind of upbringing that he had is truly a fantastic story for the Chargers. And, and I'm excited to see what Palmer brings to this team mm -hmm. um, as we've talked about. So in terms of Rashawn Slater, like I, I understand the Chargers definitely have some, there's some definite gray area with, you know, first round rookie contracts, but you know, the new CBA essentially makes holdouts impossible or like there's no advantage to holding out for a player. You know, like if, if Rashawn Slater starts missing practices because his contract isn't signed, the Chargers can fine him up to like $50,000 of practice, I, I believe. So, you know, when you're on a rookie contract, that's, that's a ton of money. Like you're, you're not going to miss out on $50,000 mm -hmm. before you even get to play a game. Um, so rookie contracts are so straightforward now with the new CBA, really the only like negotiating that happens is about bonuses and when bonuses happen and things like that. Um, there could be some holdup there. I, I seriously doubt it. Like Rashawn Slater was a full participant in all of the OTAs and all of the mini camp practices. He has an apartment now in Los Angeles. Like I, I seriously doubt that there's anything going on. I think just, this is just the, the the Chargers' way of doing business now. Like they just wait until 
they absolutely have to, which is obviously annoying. Um, <laughs> but I don't think that there's an, anything actually serious going on. Yeah, I mean, I, I push back on, you know, the whole they're just waiting for the sake of waiting because the Chargers do two things specifically with their rookie contracts. They have to include offset language in there, which not a lot of other teams do. And they do uh, want to pay the signing bonus or the rookie bonus in March as opposed to uh, December, end of January. So those are the two things that they mandated for every rookie contract. Um, Joey Bosa, that's what he was pissed about in August. Uh, you know, he was the top three pick and he's like, all right, you guys are penny punching a little bit over here. It's the same amount of money uh, either way. But the Chargers have been very finicky in an era where teams haven't been like that on rookie contracts. Sure. Um, so there still is a little bit of that, I, I think, in this situation. You know, obviously, we don't know specifically what the issue is with Slater. But I think the reason that the Chargers have waited is because they basically want to get these agents to say, hey, take it or leave it. Right. Yeah. And I think the, I think the resolution to Bosa when that happened was they agreed to pay 15 percent of his signing bonus, which was 17 million uh, at the end of December. And then they agreed to pay the rest of the 85 in March. So I think that was kind of the resolution. And then Bosa compromised on the, the language of the contract. But, you know, I, I'm not concerned about Slater. I think it'll get done. He's going to be in training camp. But, you know, I, I do think the Chargers are a little finicky when it comes to this stuff when they really don't need to be since the CBA has laid out that the money's going to be the same either way. Like, I, I, I just don't get why they're like this. Um, people have brought up Spanos uh, liquidity as an issue. I don't think he's broke or anything. I, I don't think that's a problem. But I do yeah. think the Chargers can be a little annoying when it comes to, you know, the standards and not wanting to break precedent for rookies. I guess the only thing I could add to this, if, if I were to make a guess, and it's a wrong guess, it's that there's some tie-up between the fact that technically he could be a tackler guard, but they've come out and said that he is their tackle. So I don't think that is the issue. Mm-hmm. So I, I couldn't think of what else the holdup is other than what you're saying. Yeah, and I wonder if that is more of an issue for like down the road. Like I wonder if mm-hmm. that has an effect as his rookie contract or if that would be more of a thing with a second contract. But um, Alex brings up a great point. You know, this, like I said, it is, it is annoying. I personally don't think that there's going to be any, any issue. Um, you know, it'd be very chargers esque if like tomorrow morning we tweet out this episode and then like an hour <laughs> later, Rashawn Slater signs his contract. It would be very so, us esque. <laughs> <laughs> true. True that. Um, so we are going now to talk about the, uh, NFL's new COVID protocols. So, uh, if you're sick of talking about listening to COVID, you know, <laughs> We have timestamps. We have, we have timestamps, and you can fast forward. Um, but I, I think it is really important that we talk about this because the NFL has has been very firm on their stance. You know, it, they are they are essentially saying get vaccinated or suffer the consequences. Um, so with this new uh, memo that they sent out, teams if they have to uh, postpone a game because of COVID due to a breakout from unvaccinated players. They are liable to forfeit that particular game. The NFL is not going to add a week 19 and reschedule games. So if you miss a game because of COVID, you know, tough shit, you're going to forfeit. The other thing that's really even more important than that is that if you have to uh, forfeit a game, neither team in that instance gets paid. So you're not only affecting your own team, but you are affecting the other team who theoretically could still play a game. So, um, really unfortunate for some of the players, and I, I totally understand their gripe from their money standpoint. Um, but the NFL has been very clear from the start. You know, if you want to get back to normal, you have to get vaccinated, and that's kind of where the NFL has has uh, taken that stand. Uh, so, Tyler, we'll start with you on this one. What was your initial reaction when you saw this memo, and you know, what are you, how do you think it could specifically affect the Chargers? Oh, man. Uh, first, I'll say that I'm glad that the Chargers have increased their vaccination totals, moving from yes. under 50% to over 70%. And maybe that was just the, the plan, I guess, all along. Like, we're just going to, like, at this certain point, all y'all that are holding on are going to get vaccinated. And we're all going to take care of it at the same time. I don't know. Um, first reaction to this was kind of like, I mean, they're it's, they're forcing people's hands. And I, I talked about in a not-so-well-received video uh, the risks <laughs> of the season. You know, that you'll, you'll risk your season if your team is not vaccinated. I'm not saying anything about the, the vaccination or the science behind it. I'm just saying, like, if you 
if you're not vaccinated, you might blow it for your team. But now yeah. not only can you blow it for your own team and only or your own position group, you can blow it for the other team as well. I mean, it just reminds me of you know, any, you know, military training movie. They're all in the barracks and the guy that's kind of a misfit is beaten up by like everyone like takes their socks and puts like a, a bar of soap in it and just beats the guy up because he's not like following along or whatever. You've seen um, Hacksaw Ridge or like he okay. won't like fire a gun yeah. or whatever and they beat him up because he won't like that. That's kind of how I feel like some of these guys are going to be looking at some of the unvaccinated players like uh, yeah. you better uh, do that because I got a family to feed and you know, some guys can, can handle the loss of losing a game check. Some of these guys are probably just barely making it by and, and the fact that they could, you know, affect their pocketbooks like that is pretty, is pretty, is something as far as the chargers go it, it depends like how could it affect their season they could lose a game they could have they could play the raiders and somehow the raiders like fuck up and they have all their vaccination issues and then the chargers can't play and they lose game checks they forfeit the game too right like they lose like they get a loss in the playoffs that's my season, understanding right? yeah mm-hmm. yeah so i mean that's 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 pretty awful uh for some reason i know bill belichick is going to find a way to use his, his advantage <laughs> i don't know how that's possible but i feel like somewhere yeah. some way this is going to swing in their advantage but um i don't know I, I don't think it'll affect the chargers if they're fully vaccinated well i guess they could i don't know somebody else take a thing take a swing alex yeah uh, uh i think it's really just the the covid regulations being different that will i mean force people to vaccinate uh, in addition to everything else right like it's gonna be really annoying if you're at the facility and you know you have to wear a mask and do all this other stuff while you know all your teammates are in one other not another room but they're following a completely different protocol than you are in terms of preparing for a game. Like that just seems like on its face, it would be annoying. And then you add up the stakes of everything else happening. Um, Like Tyler said, I I don't want to get into a vaccine debate because that's become uh, a political fireground. And (laughs) it's just uh, annoying at this point. Yeah. Get the vaccine or don't, uh, I don't care. But uh, in reference to the chargers, yeah, like it it can cost them a game. We saw this with Denver last year, right? If all those Broncos players, uh, or specifically in the quarterback room, were fully vaccinated, uh, granted the vaccine wasn't around at the time, but if they were, then they wouldn't have had to miss that game, right? Despite they could have just gotten retested and that would have been that. Um, yeah. But yeah, the COVID-19 protocols were super strict last year. So, you know, you're either making the decision to follow those protocols or, you know, kind of get back to normal, as normal as normal can be at this point. Um, you know, and as far as like the DeAndre Hopkins freedom question mark stuff, you know, <laughs> look, they're your employer and they can, you know, make yeah. these rules, right? Again, they're not mandating the vaccine. They're just saying, hey, here are the consequences if you don't, um, right? The only uh, people that they're really allowed to mandate it for are the coaches because the coaches are NFL employees and they don't have uh, any union uh, to my understanding. So that's what happened in Minnesota and New England in, in terms of the two coaches that resigned because they didn't want to take the COVID vaccine. So, um, yeah. yeah, I mean, it can be pretty bad for the truckers, right? If they're not at 85 or 90% and they're at 70, uh, that could be really bad. The one yeah. thought that I had also is just final roster construction, right? Um, if you're talking about that cut from 80, you know, they're at 86 to 53, Right. And let's say, you know, not going to name any names, but we're just talking about two players that are really close together. Let's call them player X and player Y. You know, if player X is fully vaccinated and player Y, you know, refuses to get the vaccine, but, you know, they're kind of competing for the last receiver spot or the last cornerback spot, you know, that could make a big difference um, in terms of which player ends up making it. So uh, I think there's a lot of things to consider. <laughs> I'm not going to get on a, you know, vaccine political fireground debate, but it could end up being a, a big thing for the Chargers. Yeah. And so the, the 70% thing that came from Daniel Popper, just mm-hmm. uh, so we covered that base. Um, he was hearing that they're, that they're pushing 75%. Um, okay. The league, the league has asked NFL teams to get to 85%, um, which is obviously, you know, a vast improvement from where the charges were a couple of weeks ago when they were one of four teams under 50%, um, which led to Tyler kind of doing that video and, and discussing that. So, um, you know, I, I understand like the, the players, you know, they don't like to be for, they don't like to feel like they're being forced to do stuff. You know, like DeAndre Hopkins was like, well, I never thought that me not getting a vaccine could lead to me considering retirement. It's like, are we serious? Like it, it <laughs> Like you get a flu shot, right? Like you get a, a mump shot. Like, like what's the difference to me? So, I don't, I don't know. From a player standpoint, I always just thought like it was more convenient to get the shot, right? Like if you don't have the shot, 
You have to wear a mask every single day at the facility. You have to wear a mask at the si- on the sidelines still. You have to, you know, submit to daily testing. And your life is significantly less convenient. And now the NFL is saying that you could potentially cause your team to forfeit a game and another team to forfeit a game. So I, I understand, you know, players not wanting to feel like they have to do a certain thing. But, you know, this is this is where the NFL is is making their stand. And and I under like I'm trying not to be as political as possible. The NFL <laughs> cares about one thing. They care about their mm-hmm. bottom line. They care about their money. And yeah. they lost a shit ton of money last year because of COVID. And so they're going to do everything they possibly can to make sure that they do not lose a lot of money. And to be honest with you, I'm not going to be surprised if in the coming weeks, the NFL announces that only people who have been vaccinated can attend games like fans. So the NFL is going to do everything they can to possibly make sure that COVID does not ruin their season for the second year in a row. And, you know, having another, having multiple games of, you know, watching some Broncos practice squad receiver play quarterback, that's bad for the bottom line. That's bad for the league. So this is the NFL's decision. And, you know, I hate to be a rules are rules guy, but this this is your choice. And, uh, you know, a lot of people were like, the the players aren't having a choice. They could have opted out. The NFL gave the players the chance to all opt out again. Oh, but really? that deadline passed. So if you didn't want to get the vaccine, you could have simply opted out, waited another year, but players didn't do that. You know, that was their choice. Now they have to choose between getting vaccinated and having their life be a little bit more convenient or not getting vaccinated and, you know, submit to all that stuff and potentially cost your team some gains. Yeah. I mean, the other thing that I'll say is as far as we're not adding a week 19, I'm like, all right, I'm going to call bullshit on that a little bit because you guys (laughs) just added a 17th game that none of your players wanted and you just forced it on them. Uh, That I mean, that's pretty clear that that's what happened and you're not going to add, you know, a bye week. Like, you know, that's just kind of predatory on the players. Um, Players union caved again, but granted, they don't don't have much of a choice. Um, So, you know, I, I just think, you know, you were able to say, okay, Last year, we were supposed to have Ravens Steelers on Thanksgiving, and then we we're going to play it on Tuesday. Like, okay, you wanted to do that last year, and now it's oh, no rescheduling. Like, I I get yeah. the point, but like, I just feel like they're being a little fraudulent on that and just putting all the onus on the players. Sure. When in reality, like, you know, they decided to make the 17 game schedule, and they decided to not add an extra bye week when you know you can make an argument for that, both from a player health and safety standpoint. And also a money standpoint, right? You have an extra yep. week of games to advertise. So that's just my thing on it. Um, but yeah. Only other random thing I would add is, you know, there's more than seven days of the week, or excuse me, more than one day of the week. And the, the Rams and the Chargers are sharing a stadium. And for some reason, the Rams are playing that following week at home and the Chargers can't figure out how to reschedule. Perhaps that's something that affects their season because it's harder to reschedule when you're sharing a stadium oh, yeah. with somebody that's else. True. Yeah, that's true. I mean, they were talking about like, you know, putting you know, oh, the concert is this week, so we can't put it on the game, right? And, and live events mm-hmm. and stuff aren't are coming back. So yeah. I definitely think that's something to consider. But even more so, that would lend the reason to creating a week 19 so you have a fallback option if something happens. Right? Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so that that's the part to me that I, I really don't understand. Yeah, those are great points. And, you know, from a Charger standpoint, like, it just makes me nervous, man. Like, this this team cannot stay healthy as is. They had four starters miss games because of COVID last year. Like, you know, last year was Jerry Tillery and Trey Pipkins and Kaiser White. But, like, what if this year it's Justin Herbert or Joey Bosa or Derwin James? Like, it just it just makes me nervous. So, you know, from a purely availability standpoint, I hope that all the players get the vaccine and the Chargers are able to kind of, you know, avoid this. Um, so let's move on to a more fun topic. We will be talking now about the Devontae Adams situation, which really, like, if you've been following the Packers this this offseason, it's just been wild how they have alienated arguably the best quarterback in the league and arguably the best <laughs> wide receiver in the league. And me- meanwhile, you know, they give a huge extension to a running back. So um, for those who may have missed it, um, you know, Devontae Adams has uh, reportedly, according to Ian Rappaport, they were having uh, contract extension talks pretty much all offseason. Um, mm-hmm. Devontae Adams wants to be paid the highest uh, amount for any receiver in the league. He wants to be 
Uh, he wants to surpass DeAndre Hopkins' contract, which was handed out by the Cardinals last year. Um, so that's that's where Devontae Adams stands. Um, and apparently those talks really soured recently, and now Adams and the Packers are in a very bad place, uh, which led to uh, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams posting the same uh, picture of Michael Jordan and Scottie Pippen as mm-hmm. potentially a, a, an ode to the Last Dance documentary. Um, so lots of drama going on in Green Bay, which is super weird. Like, yeah. I can't remember the last time there was this much dysfunction coming out of the Green Bay front office. Um, but Devontae Adams fan, Alex, we'll start with you here. Like, what do you, what do you make of this whole situation in Green Bay? Um, you know, we can talk about, you know, potentially him landing with the Chargers or, or other places. Um, but just your major takeaways from the Devontae Adams situation. Yeah, I guess we could talk about the Packers stuff first and, and then get to, you know, Chargers yeah. possibilities. But, all right, first thing, Aaron Rodgers, can you just tell us what you want? Like, <laughs> yeah. the, you know, the cryptic, like, yeah. last dance posting, like, I get it, you know, it's fun. But, like, you know, and, and look, the Packers are a shithole front office that's stuck in the 20th century. Um, that, that's the reality. Like, you know, they treat their quarterback like that um, and, and, you know, really alienate everybody because, you know, they want to be – in this, you know, Vince Lombardi philosophy where everybody is treated equal when it's clear that in sports today, not everybody is treated equal and you, you know, you have right. to treat people differently. Like you, you do have to uh, discriminate in terms of like how you value players. Like that's just the reality of the NFL now. Um, but yeah, so going to this Devontae Adams thing, you know, the, the one thing to consider is that DeAndre Hopkins did kind of break that free agent market, right? You know, he got that $27 million deal now other teams have to beat that because I believe the previous high before that was 22 or 24. Um, and then the DeAndre Hopkins contract happened. So, uh, you know, Devonta Adams has every right now uh, to ask for 28 or 30, right? Like that's the reality, you know, just with how the contracts work and the cap going back up, that's what he's entitled to ask for. I mean, really. And so I, I'm, you know, really befuddled by the fact that the Packers won't give it to him. Uh, I know that they're in a concerning financial situation, but we've seen teams that have been tight against the cap constantly that have found a way to make things work when they, you know, when it came time to make things work. So um, Mm -hmm. just Packers takeaways first, you know, it's just really confusing to me that they're like this because, you know, with Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers for another five years, if you have that, you could win. You probably win a Super Bowl. Uh, You know, obviously they've had struggles in the NFC championship game recently, but you know, mm-hmm. th- those two are really electric together and you have a Super Bowl contending core, you know, that can last that long. So yeah. to me, it's it's just really weird and frustrating to, to see this situation uh, going down there, particularly because Aaron Rodgers is, is one of my favorite quarterbacks to watch. So, you know, that's just kind of frustrating. But yeah, I, I don't know what's going to happen with Devontae Adams. I assume he's going to hit the free agent market now unless they can find a way to get a deal uh, done probably, you know, by the end of the preseason or something like that, which it doesn't seem like is going to happen, you know, on top of the Aaron Rodgers thing, they don't want to pay him what he's worth. So then you know, yeah. if I were to pay Adams, yeah. I'd be up to. Yeah. Just real quick before Tyler jumps in, uh, Julio Jones, he used to be the highest paid uh, NFL receiver, at least in average per year at 22. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Arizona paid DeAndre a contract with a yearly average of 27.25. So, Mm-hmm. That was quite a big jump forward from 22 to 27.25. Yeah, no, definitely. And listen, if the Packers want to continue to be dysfunctional and just keep giving us their best players, that's fine <laughs> by me. Like, if they want to pay a running back instead of paying Corey Lindsley for whatever reason, that right. makes any sense to any person other than the Packers, have at it. And if they want to give us Devontae Adams, go for it. You know, of the little bit, I keep saying Bobby Peters' name because I've been reading his stuff. Um, but what he was able to talk about in his book, the Packers were able to build so much of their offense because of Adams. And like I talked about in the video, the basis of the mesh are those two shallow crossers, but they take it to another step and they'll have Adams on the outside running, you know, isolated one-on-one running double moves as the first read. And they, you can do that because it's Devonte Adams or they'll do crazy things like they'll have the running back in the trips formation. And then no, sorry, they're running back in the backfield, Adams out in the trips formation, and then they'll switch them. So they send the running back out to the trips formation and, and Adams is in the backfield and they do crazy things just to try to screw over the man defense. And there's even one passage I, I'm just paraphrasing, but the, in the book it says basically that defenses would generally, I forget what concept they were running on offense, but defenses were generally aware 
and ready for this offensive concept. Yet it basically didn't matter because Devonte Adams is that good of a route runner, and so they would call it anyway against a, a, a tough defense uh, and a good call by the defense, and they would still move the chain. It's not a big deal because you have Devonte Adams. And listen, man, if the Chargers end up having about sixty million dollars in cap space next year, and all it costs is twenty-seven, twenty-eight, whatever million for Devonte Adams. I'm going for it. That is the ultimate all-in move. Yep. Pairing him with with um, Allen would be great. Now, I guess the other question is, if Mike Williams has a really good year, which one do you pick? I mean, I would go Adams, but like that is definitely something that the Chargers, you know, would be considering, and they might go Williams. I, I've, from my point of view, like Mike Williams would have to have like a crazy, crazy good year, like above mm-hmm. 1200 yards above 10 touchdowns for me to like even consider that like mm-hmm. you know we we've talked about you know on this podcast pretty much you know nauseum at this point like next year is the big push year you yeah. know you'll you'll have year two of brandon staley and company you'll have year three of justin herbert and that that's kind of been you know the the model for you know rookie you know quarterbacks on, on the rookie contracts is you know you you throw them through the ringer, you, you throw them to the fire, throw them to the walls, whatever you want to say in year one, year two, you, you patch up some holes. And then year three, you push all your chips in. You know, we saw the chiefs do this by, you know, trading for Frank Clark and signing Sammy Watkins. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you could argue about how good those players are <laughs> and really how much they really helped. But bottom line is that they pushed all their chips in and they have a super bowl and they've been to two super bowls in a row. And now, and, you know, now you can look at the Cleveland Browns. They're, they're kind of doing the same thing. You know, mm-hmm. Baker kind of struggled. They traded for Odell. They signed Jarvis Landry. Now they're pushing their chips all the way in, and, and they're able to kind of, you know, go for it. So that's the big year. And, you know, Devontae Adams, like the thing about the free agency market next year is, A, that the Chargers will have cap space to sign, you know, another elite player. Like they signed Corey Lindsley this year. They'll have the space to do it next year. They'll have, in my opinion, at least $60 million, you know, depending on how much they – uh, exactly roll over from this year. Then mm-hmm. they can cut Brian Malaga and get up to 70. Like they have the cap space to do it. Like, so, you know, whoever that free agent, whoever that marquee free agent is obviously remains to be seen, but there's no chance, no chance that anyone that is a free agent next year is a better player than Devonte Adams. He will be the best player on the market, regardless of position. And so, you know, I've been a very strong proponent of you can rebuild your receiving core through the draft. You know, it's one of the more easily replaceable positions through the draft. Like we've seen all these rookie receivers come in and make strong impacts. But if you can get a truly like scheme altering franchise altering player, you do it. And if you can <laughs> add a player that is going to help your young quarterback, I think you do it. And, you know, a lot of people will say like, well, if they cut Brian Blaga, they'll need a right tackle. They could potentially need an edge rusher. If they have $70 million, they can still assign other players. Like they can still go and do that. They still have 10 draft picks. You know, it's not like signing Devontae Adams would be the only move that they make. And so in my opinion, you add an elite player and sure it's not at a position of need, but the, just the flexibility of having, Devontae Adams, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, you know, and, and whoever they find at tight end, like that is just so tantalizing. And, and that would be amazing to watch, even if you have an average quarterback to pair those three with Justin Herbert, who I think we all agree is going to have a very special season. I don't see how you say no to that. Yeah. Um, and so I'll be kind of releasing an article sometime tomorrow on Bullbeat about Devontae Adams and why I think it's kind of a no brainer, but uh, you know, just to kind of break it down. I mean, look, we talk about maximizing Justin Herbert's rookie contract, and then there are still some of you fans out there that are like, I don't know, maybe do I want to pay the best receiver in the league? You know, like, what are we talking about? <laughs> We're yeah. talking about maximizing his window. And as far as cost is concerned, even if you're telling me Mike Williams balls out, you know, 1,200 you know, yards, 10 touchdowns, something like that kind of season – I'm still taking Devontae Adams over him like pretty easily, right? <laughs> yeah. And it just relative to the cost, right? So let's say they do indeed cut Brian Balaga like we expect, and they have 60 million to work with the cap or 70 million, whatever it is. So you're probably going to uh, extend Derwin James with some of that, right? So that'll be 20 million. Sure. We'll, we'll see what happens with Jamal Adams in Seattle because um, so that could dumb. affect the Derwin James market. 
Um, but you know, okay, so you're paying Derwin 20, uh, and you would be paying Mike Williams probably 20 as well, right? If we're assuming that he has the kind of year where he does ball out, right? So what's the real difference between paying Derwin and Mike Williams 40 and paying Derwin and Devontae Adams 50, right? Like that that's the kind of thing that to me is like, yeah, sure, it's yeah. a $10 million difference, but you can also just mitigate that in some ways, right? You can extend Linval Joseph like we've talked about and then save cap space. You can, you know, replace Chris Harris and Linval Joseph with some other guys around the league or some of the rookies that you're developing on the team, plus the 10 draft picks next year. Um, and you can, you know, just make moves like that, right? So to me, and the reality is, you know, we talk about maximizing Herbert's window. When the Chargers do eventually sign Herbert to an extension, like that'll become the time when, you know, it's time to find value in the draft and it's time to penny pinch and find that veteran who wants to come, you know, ring chase with the Chargers, right? Kind of like the Chiefs do now. Um, but, you know, so it, that makes this era more important, right? Like for when that time does hit the Chargers, right? And, and that cap hit does become significant to work with. So um, to me, it's just, it's, it's a no brainer. Like he's better than Mike Williams. He, he's frankly better than Keenan Allen, but we're talking about pairing them together, right? Keenan obviously got that extension um, and you would have the best wide receiver duo in the league with Justin Herbert, with Austin Eckler, you know, um, you know, potentially with another tight end too, or if somebody like Donald Parham develops, that offense becomes a lot more dangerous or our guest, Steven Anderson. Uh, so, you know, I think that becomes a really interesting proposition, right? Um, I get why people are concerned about the money, and you could say, hey, this would be better spent elsewhere. But in the NFL, like you ultimately win on your high level talent. And, you know, that's what the Chargers kind of lacked during the Phillip Rivers era. Frankly, like there were years where it's like, hey, Eddie Royal is our second best receiver. And none of us are concerned about this, um, yeah. you know, or, Stevie, you know, the years of Stevie Johnson and, and that kind of like ragtag group of guys that they would just throw together. Not dissing any of those guys. I'm just saying, you know, we don't want to repeat that with Justin right. Herbert and just say, okay, you know, here's some good weapons, but we didn't take the time to maximize them like we could have. Um, and just frankly, last point, like players like Devontae Adams don't become available in free agency. Like, you know, usually teams lock them up yep. and say, hey, you know, we're going to give you a franchise tag or we're going to give you, you know, some four-year deal to make you the highest paid receiver, whether that was Julio, whether that was Hopkins, right? Um, obviously Hopkins ended up kind of being with another team uh, when he signed that deal but still like you know the cardinals weren't going to let him walk when they traded for him that was very clear and that showed how much they valued him um so yeah to me it's a no-brainer it's maximizing herbert's window it's improving the team uh, and really it's about making that big push like you know steven and all of us have said 500 times on the show the only thing i'll add is is looking at the free agent crop next season like if you'd rather have Devonte Adams or right tackle Jermaine Effetti. Like, there's not like a lot of tackle yeah. options out there. Like, use your draft picks for that. Or, you know, I think edge rusher. You know, like, technically Von Miller is going to be available. Chandler Jones and Hassan Reddick, but they didn't work out any of that this offseason. At least with Reddick or Miller. So, like, I don't know how much interest there is there. So, you know, if you're asking me if I could take Devonte Adams or you know, 33 year old Chandler Jones. No offense to Jones, is that a good career? I'm probably going with Devontae Adams. Like there's nothing yeah. in the free agent market at those two important spots that I would really consider over, over Devontae Adams. Right. And like I said, he, he's going to be the best player in, in the market. Like mm -hmm. it's totally possible that he, you know, they work something out with the Packers or, or like Alex said, they do franchise tag him. But at, at this point, you know, it seems like it's going to be trending towards him becoming a free agent. Um, you know, mm -hmm. the other thing to mention in that regard is, you know, he apparently has talked with, Derek Carr about teaming back up. Of course, you know, he is very good friends with Derek Carr and they were college roommates at Fresno State. Um, but like if you're being objective and like looking at the best places in the league for someone like Devontae Adams, you know, who is going to be getting, you know, his last big payday, you know, you're looking at a place, you know, just like around the league. And I have a hard time, like, of course, like trying to be objective as possible, right? I have our time. You can't. That none of us. None <laughs> of us can be as objective as possible. We're we'll be like, oh well, actually, if you look at it logically, the Chargers make more sense than the Raiders. Yeah, we're never going to say anything different. <laughs> well, right, of course, but like I, I do think on paper, like you know, the Chargers have a much more appealing draw than playing with the Raiders. Like right. 
you know, of course you have a good relationship with Derek Carr, but what if John Gruden doesn't have a good relationship with Derek Carr, right? Like, you know, Gruden has been very hot and cold when it comes to his quarterback. And, you know, what if Devontae Adams signs with the Raiders and then the next year Derek Carr is not on the Raiders anymore? Like, that mm-hmm. would be a very shitty situation for him. So I think the Chargers could obviously offer him, you know, the Raiders have cap space too. So theoretically they could each offer him, you know, the same kind of contract. But, you know, with the Chargers, you have the long-term stability with a new head coach with obviously with Justin Herbert. And then, you know, you can obviously throw in Keenan Allen too. Like that's a big, big chip for him. He's never played with a really good supporting cast, you know, outside of when he was a young guy with Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, where we're still kind of in their heyday, but, you know, I guess you could make an argument for Darren Waller, but, you know, I think playing with Keenan Allen would be quite a big draw for him, you know, but then again, like Alex is saying, you know, I'm trying to be objective, but also it's really hard <laughs> this particular topic. Right, but I mean, I think the Keenan Allen thing is a great point, right? I mean, they both seem to have kind of a rapport with each other and both of their play styles fit, you know, like a puzzle piece. Like it, it would be kind of immaculate just how well they fit together. Um, so, and both of them have said that as much publicly. So to me, that, that is the draw if, if there is one, right? Because Devontae Adams can go like, Oh, chargers are still the chargers. And, you know, I want to play with my friend, Derek Carr in the stadium with the team that has fans, right? Like I'm, I'm just <laughs> purely approaching that from that kind of standpoint, but, sure. um, yeah, like, no, the, the chargers have a lot to offer Devontae Adams and they're one of the, you know, six teams that will have 50 plus million in cap space to work with, not including, uh, a Brian Balaga cut, right? So there could be more potentially on top of that. But, you know, the one thing that I hear from Chargers fans a lot, <laughs> and this has come up with Devontae Adams, is, oh, well, Justin Herbert makes his receivers better. Uh, so therefore, uh, you don't want to get better receivers. Uh, and I would point out, have you seen what the fuck is happening in Green Bay? They, they have neglected the receiver position in getting Aaron Rodgers' weapons, and now he wants to leave. So, like, yeah. yeah, Justin Herbert is good, and he can shoulder some of that burden, but you don't want to draw this out to the point where, you know, he doesn't feel it anymore here, right? And I'm not saying yeah. that will happen, but, like, giving Justin Herbert just Jalen Guyton and, and some of these guys, not that they're bad, right? But, like, you want to give him the best weapons you can possibly give him. That doesn't necessarily mean spending the money on Devontae Adams, but it means keeping your quarterback happy, right? And, yeah. and that's that's been the whole thing that's been going on here. Um, so, to me, uh, it, it's just been frustrating. Like, you do, yeah, edge is important, offensive tackle is important, but in this league, more so than it was 25 years ago, so are your skill position players, right? Mm-hmm. Like, so I would just say... That's why Devontae Adams is important. Not saying it has to happen. Um, of course, he still has to hit free agency first before we can, you know, really start to, to seriously talk about these things, despite the fact that we just spent 20 minutes on it. Um, so, <laughs> you know, we're spending a little bit of time daydreaming. But um, no, like, yeah, to me, it, it's just a no-brainer. Like, you just have to get that weapon uh, for Herbert and, you know, figure it out later, right? Like, if that costs, you know, a quarterback maybe that you want or, you know, something else that you want for a certain price. So be it, but you can move the money around in other ways. And it's the most offensive league it's ever been. You know, to me, it's just no brainer. Do you think the only, not only reason, but one of the reasons they'd be adverse to an Adam signing is, I guess if you pull together your analytics guys, Oh no, the analytics guys like, they say receivers like the most important. Okay. never mind. Then I have no qualms with any of this. Um, The idea of, you know, Herbert not needing another receiver because he did fine with, like, guys like Johnson. Like, go watch the Miami game. Go watch the Patriots game. Go yeah. watch, like, the last 10 years of Rivers' career. And, you know, and tell me if that works out. It's the same people that were like, well, you know, Rivers was good – or, excuse me, well, he was. But Herbert was good under pressure. Therefore, let's not get him an offensive line. Like, yeah. you know, just because I don't get in an accident in my current car doesn't mean I should just go find, like, the shittiest <laughs> car possible and just do donuts in it because I've never been in an accident. Like, I don't get that argument at all. No, I, yeah. I don't get it either. And, and – like, I, I guess, you know, if, if there comes an elite edge rusher that, that is still young and I have to choose between that player and Devontae Adams, like, yeah, I, I guess I would consider taking the edge rusher there. But mm-hmm. that's the right. thing. Like, like Alex exactly. said, like these players don't become available. So, yes, in a vacuum, I'd rather have an elite edge rusher to pair with Joey Bosa. But, mm-hmm. you know, if, if I can get Devontae Adams, I'm going to do it. And I, I firmly believe, like, if you get Devontae Adams on this team, that makes the Chargers contenders like right away. 
So that's the thing uh, for me is like, there's, there's no downside. And, you know, by the time you have to pay Justin Herbert, uh, all of his money, you know, Keenan Allen's contract would be, would come off the books and, and, you know, all these other things would happen. So, you know, you don't risk financial losing financial flexibility because you have the space right now with the rookie contract at your quarterback at the most important position. So I just don't see a downside to it, right? Of, of course, you know, we're going to talk about this, you know, all year long and all, you know, all next spring. And then Devonta Adams is going to sign with the Raiders or some shit or resign with the Packers. <laughs> and, and that's just going to be our luck. But for now, like, you know, the, the, the thought of potentially getting Adams on this roster, man, it's so, so exciting. And, you know, if it happens, we'll be, you know, doing backflips. But if it doesn't, you know, it's all in good fun right, right now at this point. Yeah, What's and, this and the last thing. doing backflips. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you ain't doing backflips with your knee surgeries. Uh, man, I can barely jump twenty inches high straight up now. So, <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Just the last point I, I kind of want to bring up is you make a really good point with you know um, the the extensions that they have given, right? Like Joey Bosa's five year extension is formatted in a way that you know come year four, year five of that contract, they've considered the fact that they have to pay Herbert, right? Uh, Keenan Allen's contract actually, you know, ends right on the dot of when, you know, Justin Herbert's uh, rookie contract plus the figure option would end. Right. Like, so they've clearly considered the franchise's vision. And, you know, if you want to make an offer to Devontae Adams next year, you can say, hey, here's a three year, you know, let's say market setting. So 28 times three. So, you know, you could say 84, right. Three year, 84 million dollar deal, three years, 90, whatever it is. And you can just say, all right, you know, that's the deal. And that'll come, you know, basically to the end of Justin Herbert's rookie contract. Right. So, again, you know, that just highlights, I think, the point that there are ways where if you want to get a player, you can format and and kind of move things around. Right. Uh, It's not like the Saints right now who, you know, have been pushing the cap around for 10 years and are, you know, finally facing the consequences of it to some extent. Right. The Chargers have 70 million in cap space and are really just at the beginning of any potential contending window. Yeah, man, the Saints are they're they're in trouble this year. Like it, it's going to be, you know, do you talk about a franchise that is, you know, used to things a certain way like the Saints are in trouble this year, you know, with the Michael Thomas injury. Uh, that's going to be a tough one for them to swallow. So, um Alex Tyler, any other final thoughts before we wrap up today's show? Yeah, I'm generally very irritated that Brady gets another easy shot through the NFC because the Saints and the Packers are crumbling. And so they're just going to walk to the Super Bowl. <laughs> yeah, man, the NFC, like, the NFC is, is it's bad. And if Aaron's not on the Packers, you know, that's that's going to be a really easy walkthrough for, for Tom Brady. Meanwhile, there's like 12 teams in the AFC that could be playoff <laughs> teams. It's just uh, wild. Wild how, you know, uh, much that has changed. And, hey, you know, the Seahawks, one of those potential other contenders, they're about to pay – a safety who can't cover yeah, or geez, tackle, apparently, uh, $17 million. So uh, shout out to Rayshon Jenkins, who uh, was better in, in multiple categories than Jamal Seven. Adams. <laughs> I don't, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know if you guys saw this clip, but there's this clip of uh, Russell Wilson and Pete Carroll. Uh, I guess that was I guess this was a couple months ago and I just missed it. But it looked like very awkward. And Pete was like, hey, we're fine now. Um, and just they were like talking to each other and it reminded me of uh, I, I don't know if Tyler knows this, but the old uh, Dwight Howard uh, Stan Van Gundy clip uh, where that report came out that he wanted right. him fired. And yes. then and then he showed up right at the press conference and was like, hey, man, Stan's my guy. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I, I I honestly think that like if Russ, it doesn't go great in Seattle this year. Russ might want to trade. Uh, and I know a team yeah. who has three first round picks to throw his way. Uh, well, yeah, that that, <laughs> that team is also potentially getting uh, Deshaun Watson in the coming weeks. So, you know, we'll have to see yeah. you there, um, which is another whole mess. So, all right, that's going to do it for us today, guys. Thanks so much for tuning in. Uh, so excited that training camp is here. Tyler's going to be there on Wednesday. So we'll be able to talk about some of his observations on our next episode. And then I will be heading down for the practices on Friday and Saturday. Uh, so, you know, the episode after that, you know, from here on out, it's all actual football news, you know, no more potential, you know, hype season or rumors to talk about. Um, it's all actual football. So excited for that to be back. 
And again, as always, make sure and leave us a rating or a view. Uh, leave us a comment. Make sure and like and subscribe to our channel. And we will see you guys next time. time inspiration it's worth shopping kroger where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie and no matter what tasty choice you make you'll enjoy our everyday low prices plus extra ways to save like digital coupons worth over 600 each week you can also save up to one dollar off per gallon at the pump with fuel points more savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping kroger worth it every time kroger fresh for everyone fuel restrictions apply